This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, I'm Tom Hudson, and this is Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that can have an impact on your career. What do you do when you're overwhelmed by work? You're feeling exhausted and burned out, and you just don't know how to start digging your way out of that hole. How do you know where to put your energy when everything feels like it's just too much? And how can you get motivated to even try? Well, I'm Tom Hudson, acting as guest host for this episode of Jazzed About Work, and this time, we've flipped the microphone around so we can get advice from our usual host, career coach Bev Jones. Bev suggests some ways that we can get our mojo back on the job. So, Bev, this is great because now people get to hear your expertise and I get to sit in and and talk to you and maybe find resolutions to some of my problems. <laughs> and to, well, we can explore many productivity challenges and see where it takes us. Yeah, well, I love the, f- the first one that I want to talk about, and, and that is the sense of being overwhelmed. I can't tell you how many times in my career, in my various careers, that I've sort of hit that wall. And, and you know, some people call it burnout. Some people call it just uh, exhaustion or pressure. But you just feel locked, like you can't move. You can't yeah. decide anything. You can't move a project along. Uh, you don't know how to get started. You're, you're just locked in place. And I've gone through that, and I, I know it passes, and I, I've tried to look back and see what did I do to get out of that funk, but, you know, I'm not sure that I had any one formula. And so, if you can help, if that goes towards productivity, I'd like to talk about that. Yeah. Well, first of all, let me say that you are not alone. Oh, thank you. And that thank it you. is something it, that hits, it hits hardworking people. It, our bodies, our brains were not built to do endless marathons. We were not built to work without breaks. And, and, and what happens if you, um, there's, there's lots of research that's out there, and uh, it doesn't all agree, but it seems like we can keep our focus on a task for you know, maybe up to 90 minutes at the most, and that after that, our brains need a break. Uh, when we work endlessly and we don't take breaks, all kinds of things happen. Our stress, uh, the chemicals, the hormones, the, uh, all, all of the uh, body chemistry changes um, to respond to stress. Um, it's like the adrenaline keeps going and pretty soon we're on overload when what we really need to do is pause. So what I talk to um, um, uh, 
clients, very often at the beginning, they're feeling overwhelmed exactly how you described. It feels like they're working so hard, they're doing their best, but their brains feel frozen and they just can't move. Like that, right? It's it's, – if – People out there can get the image. When when we were young and had phys ed in school, we had to do all these stupid exercises. And one of them was running in place, <laughs> where you yeah. ran and ran and ran, but you weren't going forward or backward. You were just stationary. That's how it feels. Yeah. And, and so it really is a function of basically running in place and and working and working and working and working and increasingly kind of mindlessly because you're anxious and you're driven, but you're no longer pausing and considering. So the absolute first thing to do, if if that, if you have a habit of, of falling into that pattern, is to learn how to take breaks. Breaks are really the answer for staying fresh and um, thoughtful and creative, and and breaks can happen at a whole lot of different ways. And I think we need to have build all of them into our work lives. One is just like really brief breaks, like um, for a minute. If you are feeling totally tense and you just sit there for one minute and kind of relax your shoulders or wherever you're feeling tension in your muscles, and then take deep breaths for a minute. Even that can help. Even that can help kind of bring you back to center and help you um, kind of get in touch with your more creative self. And in the course of a workday when you're not overwhelmed, but if you can just build in a habit of taking some breaks, and I find um, I, I tend to do it like when I'm waiting for a client call. I, I did it before you, uh, you and I connected today. When you, you're waiting to for somebody to come to your office or come into the studio or make your call and you're just sitting there, instead of being frantic, you just breathe for a minute or two and kind of count your um, count as you're breathing is, is a, something that helps. So that's one level to do it. But then you need bigger breaks. You need to schedule some uh, some walks during the, the workday, get some exercise, or maybe you give yourself... Um, a lunch break, even when you feel like you don't deserve it. You need to schedule an occasional day off. You need to schedule vacations. Regularly taking breaks is one of the first things you want to look at, and it's counterintuitive. People who are feeling like, I'm so overwhelmed, I have so much to do, I can't possibly quit, are very, very resistant sometimes to taking breaks. So I I beg you, when you're (laughs) feeling like that, just give it a try. Just... um, uh, go home early one day or take a walk in the middle of the day or practice deep breathing a few times in the course of the day, even little breaks that can help get you started. So that that's the first thing, first place to begin. All right. Let me muddle this uh, a little more. Uh, sometimes when I've felt that way, I've had to look at things, and and I find that it might not be work-related. Um, it might be like I have too much going on, 
in in yeah. my life as a whole. I mean, I remember one time I, I did this. I got married. I built a house and got a new job within six months. I mean, it was, oh, that's a lot of stress. It, it was, but but even good stress is stress. And and that was that was uh, a long time ago. But still, uh, you have things in your personal life that can creep in and. Sometimes I feel like I just have an adrenaline drain. I've been going so far so fast uh, in my personal life that it bleeds over into my work life. Is, is that, that common? That's right. Yeah. And, and uh, again, when I'm starting to work with a client and trying to figure out what might be the case, and since I focus on work and career, people are coming to me because they want to be more efficient or productive or meet a challenge. But I try to pause a bit and get a sense of what's going on in in life. Um, Maybe part of what's happening is you're feeling um, so bad because you are totally out of shape. You're not in good physical shape. You haven't Thank been exercising you. like you might. <laughs> you aren't eating well. I'm not saying I am, you're doing that. And, and I am. But, you're describing me perfectly. <laughs> but, but, but that's part of it. Some of the sense of, um, gosh, of feeling lousy is that you haven't been, been attending to your own um, well-being, and, and that means kind of your physical body um, how are you um, taking care of yourself, exercising, eating, um, your your brain, your your mental well-being? Are you managing the self-talk, the, those annoying things you keep saying to yourself? Are you maybe exploring meditation to kind of uh, get that voice quiet? Are you exercising, which is actually good for your brain and, and your creativity? Uh, can be um, can be spiritual. That that can mean. Um, um, many things to many different people, obviously. But even if you're not religious, it can feel like your values are all out of whack and and you don't know what the mission is and what's important anymore. That's sort of a a crisis in spiritual well-being. So you can can experience um, a breakdown in part of your life. It can be your... Maybe you haven't been paying attention to finances and you're waking up in the middle of the night and thinking, oh, how am I going to pay that mortgage? So pausing again, not taking a break like I was talking about before as a mini vacation, but pausing and maybe writing down in a journal for a week um, at the end of the day, what is it that's on your mind? Where are you feeling the pain? What doesn't feel right? You know, just kind of write in response to questions like that for maybe 10 minutes a day. And even that little bit of reflection. And writing really helps. It helps you make connections and get to levels of um, awareness that you might not otherwise. If you write for a week like that, you might realize, gosh, this is not all about work. I My life is so out of balance that I'm not getting an exercise and I'm not seeing my wife enough and I'm not hanging out with my friends. You know, whatever well, it is, let me, let writing me, can help. Let me jump in there because and I'm divulging all of my own issues here. <laughs> it's one of the things I love about you. <laughs> but when I get this way, I become more and more isolated. Yes. And that I know 
is a bad thing for me and probably for most people. When I get this way, I, I, I have all kinds of self-assurance and, and self-issues, uh, and so I pull inside and I isolate, and I don't go out with friends, and I don't yeah. connect with people, and I, I know that's the, the wrong thing to do. It's absolutely the wrong thing to do. There are kind of three areas. When, when you're feeling in this overwhelmed, burned out, unhappy, uh, unwell kind of way, it is tempting to just curl up in a hole somewhere and isolate yourself. But I'd suggest that you focus on kind of three kind of things. And the first one is other people. We are, as human beings, born to be connected. We're more creative when we're connected with other people and we're bouncing ideas off them. Even if we're introverts, we are more likely um, to do really well when we have some relationships with other people. And when you are feeling like um, you're, you're just burnt out and you don't have any ideas and you don't want to see anybody, it might be, ironically, that part of the problem is that you're lonely. You may be surrounded by people, but you're not connecting in a realistic way. And um, even though there's a crowd around, you're more and more isolated. So the first thing you might want to think about when you get that feeling is to make some time with people you care about. If you're more of um, uh, more of an introvert, you don't want to go out in the crowd, you know, start with people who you know you can count on. And um, if you can, tell them a bit about how you're feeling. But if you can't even bring yourself to do that, still spend some time with them. For other people, the, the um, way to start feeling better is to get out there and meet new people and go to events and make an effort. And I find myself, if I'm feeling kind of overwhelmed and withdrawn, if I can focus on other people's needs, my stuff kind of falls into shape. <laughs> that I'm better off if I go out and I ask questions and I listen to the other people at the dinner party. And, you know, I end up feeling much better about myself if I stop focusing on it. I'm chuckling because over the years, you know how spouses sort of talk in shorthand to each other. Yes. But when, when my wife notes that I'm getting into one of these funks, she just says to me, okay, it's time. Get outside of yourself. And go yes. do something for somebody else. <laughs> I think that's such good advice. Why am I not surprised that she's saying exactly the right thing? Now, do you listen to her? Most of the time, yes. And most of the good. time, it, it, it works. It, it doesn't prevent me from going down the, the, the drain, but it, it, uh, it, it pulls me out of the drain. How's that? Uh, okay. it, it pulls me back to reality. Well, there are two other things that can kind of pull you back to balance or reality. I, I said, I think starting with people is always a good starting point. But another one, and this is something you can do by writing or journaling or talking with people, but that's to kind of uh, refocus on the mission involved in your work. Why are you doing it? Is it because you love this work? Is it because you, you love working with students and you want to make a difference in your life? Is it because um, you um, feel like uh, you're leading other people and you can make a difference in their lives? Focus on the point of it all and, and 
um, journaling about that can help uh, pull you out. It's a, it's a something that you can do in conjunction with connecting with other people, and it might help make those interactions more meaningful. And, and, and the other one is, and I know you do some of this, Tom, and that's focus on some activities that you enjoy. Right. We like right. action. We like activity. And you have so many hobbies right. and um, kind of focusing on things that are, are going to bring back your creativity, whether in your case it's doing cartoons or looking for antiques or whatever, that's going to help refresh you and that can have some impact on your work life as well. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University is having an impact today while providing innovative education for tomorrow's leaders. The master's program in public administration and environmental studies lead students to greatness in nonprofit, environmental, public sector, and government settings. Learn to lead at the Voinovich School. We're now accepting applications. Information is available at ohio.edu backslash Voinovich School. One of the things that happens to me, and and this, I don't know whether this is typical, so bear with me, is that I don't go down into this hole all at once. If I were more self-aware sometimes, I would see signs of this coming along. And one of those signs that is very relevant to me is procrastination. I I don't feel like doing that today. I'm not going to do that today. And then Mm -hmm. I feel badly for not doing it today. And then I beat myself up because I didn't do it. or, or just not being able to, to uh, make a decision. And I live in a decisive world. Most people do yeah. uh, professionally. And you have to make decisions. But I'll put off making a decision or I'll put off talking to that troublesome employee. Um, I'll just – I'll say not today. I don't feel up to it. Yes. And and that's well, one of the danger signs for for me, but but I should probably look at that and try to address it before I go down the hole. Well, I have a I have a couple of responses here. Okay, um, one directed at you, and then one like let's focus a little bit more on procrastination generally. Okay, I think you are showing some self awareness, and um, you're you're looking at the kind of procrastination that you fall into and you're recognizing it's periodic it happens in a kind of a situation mm-hmm. these are the behaviors which I I, I tend to um, uh, find myself engaging in and um, and it might be that the answer isn't to look at procrastination as a as a habit but to look at the bigger picture so I think you've come a long way <laughs> and good you're 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 definitely making progress and and something um like um journaling and noticing what the problem really is 
uh, can help you work your way out of it. But let, let's talk about procrastination more generally, and, and maybe there are going to be some ideas on how, when you're in the middle of it, you can grapple with it. I hear so many people say, gosh, I, you know, I'm pretty good at this, but you know, I'm a procrastinator, as though it was you know, like I say, I'm short. I mean, <laughs> it is not something that you are born with and it's you not can't deal with. It, well, there may be elements of it, but it is okay. not a fixed thing that just happens uh, to impact you. It's a term, uh, putting off things, not doing things that you feel like you should be doing. It's, it's a term that people use all the time. But there are lots and lots of different ways that it happens. And... Uh, different ways you address it. Uh, some people, actually quite a few journalists that I know, um, procrastinate because they they want to uh, have that deadline pressure. They right. kind of like to know that, gosh, that adrenaline's uh, flowing because I've got to get this to the editor in two hours. And I, I write do... better under a deadline. I've heard that yeah. a million times. Yeah, a, a lot of people do that, and, and they use it as an excuse for not getting things done because they blame somebody else and whoever's setting the deadline. So if that's an element of it, um, if you really do love the rush of a deadline, you can exercise some control by by negotiating other kinds of deadlines. If If you are stumbling at work because... Time and again, you only get to that big project right before it's due. What you do is you break it up into pieces. You create lots of little deadlines, and you give them some impact by um, negotiating a commitment with other people, saying, you know, I'll give you the first 20% of this, however you define it, on Friday. So you can kind of manage yourself into uh, a series of deadlines that are thoughtful and, and are going to lead you to the right place. You're, just because uh, you like the rush is no reason, it's no excuse for not breaking your big project into pieces and, and moving forward with it. For other people, sometimes it's procrastination is, um, has to do with not really understanding what needs to be done or what the boss's priorities are or what is most pressing in this situation. People stall sometimes because they feel like the boss is saying three different things. And, and if that's the case, the answer is to, to focus in on priorities. If the priority is coming from somebody else, you've got a communication issue, and that's what it might be. If it's, you don't know your own priorities, that's the beginning of dealing with um, a procrastination. So do you find sometimes that you just have so many things to do that you can't decide on where to begin and as a result you, you just do a little of this and a little of that and don't get to anything? Yeah, I get scattered. When I'm clicking on all cylinders, I have very clear priorities and yes. I, I can focus and concentrate and address priority one priority two and on down the 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 list when i'm in this funk uh those priorities get blurred now i i know in your your book think like an entrepreneur act like a ceo you you talk about uh some ways of dealing with priorities and two things i i, I 
really interested in hearing more about is the 80-20 rule and the daily rule of three. Uh, talk about those for me. Well, the 80-20 rule, it's one of these very valuable rules that's not really a rule at all. It um, oh, dates back in, in, in uh, quite a ways in, in terms of economic theory. And the, the, the rule basically says that in any kind of situation, relatively few of the inputs, relatively few of the things you're going to do are going to lead to an outsized number of the results. In other words, if you have 10 things on your to-do list, probably there are two or three things that are going to represent 80% maybe of the success uh, for your work week. And the numbers 20 and 80 are approximate. They, you don't have to stick with them. But the way you apply this, um, this principle um, the, to, your, to your work life, to, you, to your workflow, is to make a list of the things that you have to do and just kind of put everything out there and then look at it and figure out what are the, what's the 20% that really matters? What are the things that are going to have an impact on my success in this job? What are the things that are going to have meaning for me? And then what are the other 80% or whatever it is um, that aren't going to bring much? And, you know, for some people, I really like the 80-20 rule. It's a good way to get started. Some people like to develop um, more complicated uh, priority systems, level one, level two, level three. There are a lot of ways to do it, but really what matters is that you figure out what are the things that really matter and then what are the least important things. And once you have your list and you have the habit of keeping a list, you can figure that out very quickly. You can, if you pause for a few minutes at the start of the day, it's pretty clear to you, isn't it, what what you need to get done today? Yeah, yeah. And I know, because I've watched you a long time, you are normally totally focused on your top priority. Right. But when you're in this funk, you've kind of lost your way. Right. That's when it's time to kind of uh, make a list and look at it and, and make some kind of decision. Once you have your priorities... When you're trying to kind of build yourself back or you're just trying to have a routine, figure out what are the three things that I have to do today you know, at the start of each day. For, for some people, uh, writing it on a card, uh, writing it down um, on the notes in their phone or um, putting it on their whiteboard, you know, writing it seems to help keep you focused on it, and looking in the same place every day to remind yourself seems to be part of it. But if you start um, the day knowing that, gosh, these are the three most important things for me to achieve today, and you use some of your most important um, windows of time to address those, you're going to have a decent day, even if there are 20 other things that you uh, didn't get around to. Uh, getting the top three is, is going to help snap you back into feeling productive, and that's going to help you kind of get out of the mess. On these priorities, um, I, I'm not sure how to phrase this, so bear, bear with me. Okay. Uh, if I have my priorities and I even have my top three 
priorities. And this is even when I'm clicking on all cylinders. Yes. I, f- I feel that I'm less productive because I allow myself to be interrupted. I feel, and it's self-imposed, I have to answer this email right now. I have to answer this text. I have to do this. And so then it comes mid-afternoon or the end of the day, and all I've done is respond, and I haven't taken control over my own time. That Absolutely. that's a major, uh, major thing in in going against my priority list. All right. So you're a lawyer, right? Yep. And you you're used to the idea of deadlines and um, responding to the urgent, and right. and you're also a journalist, and you understand deadlines and responding so, to the urgent. Right. But what I think you're doing, what we all tend to do sometimes, is to confuse the urgent with the important. So you have to make a deal with yourself. I think of it, being a former lawyer myself, I think of it as a bit of a contract with myself, that at the start of the day, I'm going to schedule on my calendar, or maybe the start of the week, because you can do this ahead of time a bit. I'm going to look at some time on my calendar, and I'm going to take back that time. Now, for many of us, morning is the best time to do kind of deep, thoughtful work. And if you've got big, important projects, you can't be going back and forth. Uh, all the research shows that multitasking is you know, just a way we delude ourselves. We're not really multitasking. We're going from one to another, one to another, and each transition means we lose some focus and we lose the ability to focus our attention on what matters. So the first thing you want to do is, is look at your calendar, look at how the day is stretching out, figure out what in your life and your body time is the most productive time. And let's say your best time is, is like before 11 o'clock. So if you've got some pressing things, you're going to take back maybe 90 minutes, and you're going to sit at your desk, and you're going to shut the door, and you're going to not answer email and you're going to um, just totally focus on those things. You, you're going to reclaim the, some of that, the most valuable right. real estate on your calendar and, and make a contract with yourself to um, focus on that. And then the rest of the day, you can approach your calendar in different ways. You can, if you've got lots of urgent things, you can you can take a half an hour and you can batch them. If you've got a bunch of emails to answer, do it fast. Do it for half an hour or whatever time you allocate it, and then move on to something else. If you're um, uh, working on um, uh, talking with a bunch of people, kind of line up your phone calls or get out and work, walk around the halls. But batch like things with like things and do a bunch of them at once. And... Um, you know that's a way to kind of deal with the urgent matters, but don't do it um, in, in your most valuable time of the day. One of the things I've found, in, and uh, I can't do it during the week. I, I'm going to take some of your suggestions here and and try it. But on the weekends, uh, when I go home on on Friday evening, and till I come back on Monday. I look at my email and I sort of do a triage on it. If there's an emergency, most assuredly I'll handle it. Uh, if, if it's something important, 
uh, I'll respond. But most of the time, I have carved out that weekend time to be spouse time, to be family time, to be friend time, uh, to just be recuperative time. And I found that I come back much more refreshed and much more productive on, on Mondays. But I haven't, I haven't been able to do that during the week yet. Well, the next challenge maybe for you is to try it in the smaller scale. And uh, on the weekend, uh, you're more likely to be at home. You have a lot more control. But can you create some zones on your calendar where you're going to dedicate yourself to focused, thoughtful work? And you know, kind of writing something that's important to you or working on a project is actually sort of meditative and restful in a way because it's a time in which you're not distracted. So if you give yourself some zones of kind of putting your attention on something important and then a break, then you're going to go back and you're going to be able to deal with those emails with in a more sensible way. And again, deal with a bunch of them at once. Don't let them interrupt you all day long, uh, creating a false sense of urgency when really the thing you should be doing is that writing project you have to get exactly. done Exactly. Put them in a group. Sometimes uh, I, it's not procrastination. Um, sometimes when I'm in this funk, I, I just don't feel motivated to do anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yes. it's different than procrastination. I can't really define it. But it's it's not even a lack of interest. It's just a lack of get up and go. Uh, it's sometimes, like it's just not interesting right now. You sometimes know? motivation seems to be what other people have and you don't. Yeah, right? right. Exactly. That we look across at you know, somebody and say, oh, that person is so motivated. If I had motivation like that, I could yeah. really get a lot done. And motivation isn't something that you have. Motivation is something that you have to get sometimes. Motivation is something that you have to um, uh, set up for yourself. And I, I think a good way to get motivated when you're kind of in the funk and you don't feel like doing anything is taking some small steps on your most important projects, or maybe it's not even the most important ones. It's the ones that are annoying you the most. Maybe right. it's this big, ugly project in the back of your desk that you've been putting off. If you set up some small st steps, making a phone call, setting up an appointment, doing a little bit of research, you'll get a sense of satisfaction from that little bit of achievement. And one of the quickest ways to start to feel motivated is to start to feel successful and get some things done. So the little steps that get you going are the ones that create motivation. And we all get mo more motivated as we build our skill set. So we've been uh, working on this podcast just about work for, right. gosh, almost two years. Two years, right. And I, speaking for myself, I... Um, a, approached this a little bit gingerly. I didn't really know if I had the skill set or we were kind of making it up. I didn't know what we're doing. I'm much more motivated today. Every time I work on a podcast or I think about it or I'm um, uh, talking to somebody who's going to be 
uh, there for an interview because we've had some success. We've learned so much. We have more skills, right? Right. So motivation tends to build as you make an investment. So it is something that you can find, but you're not going to find it as though somebody tapped you on the shoulder with a magic wand. You're going to find it by taking little steps. And so when you're in the morass, when you're in the funk, finding little ways to, whether it's to take a break or to uh, structure a little success or to, to uh, connect with people about your big projects, those are all ways that can get you moving and the motivation will come as you move along. Bev, thank you so much for letting me pirate your show. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, and have a, so much more to talk about. <laughs> and have a personal counseling session. We do have much more to talk about, and, and I hope we can do this again. Sometimes when you're hosting, we don't get all the benefits of, of your knowledge, and uh, I appreciate that so much. Well, let's do it again soon. All right. Thanks, Bev. Bye-bye. Today, we've been talking with career coach and our usual host, Bev Jones, about how to get out of a slump at work and how to get remotivated. For Jazzed About Work, I'm your guest host, Tom Hudson.